So there were some noises. My dog friend, he was getting a little bit antsy because of it. Being an alarmist. But, uh... Gotta be honest, I was a little creeped out, too. But back to my heart-wrenching story. My... I lived there with my girlfriend, and we just sort of fell apart, you know? And the big reason, because of it, the point of all of this is that I was ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed of, like, the things that I wanted from life and the way I dealt with life. And it made me isolate myself. That's been the theme of the last couple years of my life as I, now I'm fighting it, but for a while I just really leaned into this urge I had to isolate myself from everyone, from like God even, if you believe in that thing. That was hard, it's still hard. It's hard to turn around. It's hard to go the other way when you got momentum going one way. But maybe this is how one heals. You know, I think I said before, y'all are like my therapists. I don't know how many people listen to this. Maybe like one, maybe like 50. Be all my therapists. That's pretty cool. Give yourself a pat on the back. I don't know if you ever knew you were going to be a therapist, but you are. Actually, it's probably... When I record this, I kind of assume nobody's going to hear it. I'm going to do the thing I always do, where... I make stuff and then I just don't do nothing with it or I have ideas and I don't do nothing with them. It's a really crappy pattern to get into. It's kind of hopeless after a while because you're like, hey, I have a good idea, but I know I'm not going to do anything with it, so I won't even think about it. It's just like one big breath. It's like, am I a good idea? I'll never do. There's kind of no hope for change if you never have any good ideas that actually come to life I'd like to make this come to life I don't really know where to put podcasts or if anyone would ever want to listen to me just drolling on about all kinds of nothing about my deep personal flaws and my distracted noticings mainly I just like to hear myself talk so I record this. This is this is pretty sad. This is the sadness of my life. I record it and then I throw it on my computer and then I listen to it while I try and fall asleep. This is my cure for insomnia, even though it don't cure insomnia at all, it just kinda makes it more bearable. It's kinda like how and maybe Maybe y'all disagree, but it's kind of like how meditation don't actually fix nothing in your life. It just kind of makes it more bearable. 
And like to some extent, it can help you make choices that'll fix things, but it itself don't fix nothing. It just makes it so you can deal with it the way it is. So I kind of started this whole thing talking about insomnia. When I was in second grade, I remember the day before school started, I was so excited to like, just like nervous too, about what it would be like, how much harder it would be than first grade, whether or not I would do as well as I did whether or not I would have any friends this year, who I would sit by, etc. I couldn't sleep. I was so in my head about it that I couldn't sleep. And then that became a fear. Because, like, as the night went on, as I got more and more frustrated with not being able to sleep, it became more and more impossible to sleep because I was just like so frustrated and so like anxious and worried about whether or not I'd be able to. And obviously that's not super conducive to being able to. And then I'm not sure, but I mean, I feel like in my memory ever since then, I've had this trouble sleeping, like this persistent trouble. I smoke weed for a long time to fall asleep. I still do, actually. It's real hard to fall asleep when I don't smoke. But I ain't smoking now because I'm in somebody else's house. Not to say I wouldn't do that. I haven't done it all the time. But I'm at my girlfriend's house. I respect her. She's not, like, real into the marijuana as far as I know, at least. So I didn't want to, like, disgrace her home. Mainly, it goes back to that shame thing where, and here we're really going to open up some stuff. So I'm going to tell you my life. Maybe this will resonate with somebody. Probably not, but fuck. So when I was in Fort Collins, the girl I was with, the one I was going to marry, she wasn't real into me smoking weed. But I was so lonely and so hopeless. I don't know. I just, I really leaned on it for a while. It's kind of a drug addict. I mean, I've, I've been, it's just weed, you know. It's like a burnout kind of drug. But, like, you don't really think of people being drug addicts when you think of weed. But. That it's the same relationship. It's not as destructive as other drugs. But it's the same kind of relationship that I'm holding with it. Where I feel like I need it. And when I don't have it, I get kind of crazy. You know, like I just get desperate for it. Even tonight, I didn't have weed for one day. So I drank a hard apple cider. What the hell is that? That is a shameful thing if I ever heard one but 
keep getting distracted. It's because it's late. I say other times because I'm in my car. Point is, I get distracted. My stories go all over the place. They're not even real stories, are they? But when I was in four calls with this girl, I just like, I smoked a lot and she never really liked it. Even though Fort Collins in Colorado, that was legal at that point. But it was this thing that I couldn't talk about with her. Because I tried. I did. I was like, I need. we need to talk about this. Like, this is a thing I do. And it's causing me a lot of distress. And she just could not bring herself to really talk about it. So, so I, she even said to me one day, and she doesn't remember saying it, so... That's the shit of that, I guess. But she said, like, do whatever you want. I just don't want to hear about it. And I was like, well, that's real healthy. Sarcasm, just going to lie about it or whatever. Lie by omission. So I did that. I mean, I was like, well, I guess if you don't want to hear about it, I won't tell you. But then, like, I... I would, like, try and find excuses or ways to be able to smoke, like, before bed or whatever. And it just sort of grew until it got to the point where I was, like, living this double life. Like, I didn't even... When I was... When I was with her, I was always thinking about how I could not be with her or the times when I wasn't with her that I now needed to cover up. And when I wasn't with her, I was always thinking about how I was going to cover up what I was doing. It just became this really awful, awful laugh. A draining laugh. A lonely laugh. And it's been hard to break those patterns. Even now, it's kind of hard to break those patterns. Doing almost the same thing, and I don't want to. You know, this like makes me think maybe I got to have a conversation with my girlfriend, tell her, tell her this story, because I kind I told she knows about most of this, but I lied by omission, you know, about the parts that were the most shameful, because I learned that. When you tell people stuff they don't want to hear, bad stuff can happen. You can lose that relationship. And losing relationships is hard. I mean, as far as I can tell, life is mostly about relationships. Like, I don't know if y'all uh, if y'all are religious, but even if you're not, like especially if you're not, I feel like life's about relationships. That's all you got, and even if you are religious, like that's what. If you're Christian, I mean other ones too, but like they're all the same. But like we'll just go with Christianity because I'm most familiar. The whole body of Christ thing and the whole teaching of Jesus. That's all about relationships. 
little things about like God wanting to have a relationship with you and the relationship that he has like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that like that deep love of connection like that wants to include you in that so I don't want to lose the relationships I got I get scared, you know. Fear is this awful, awful motivator. It's one of the strongest motivators. I think maybe it's because you think about animals, and I don't know much about, nobody does, I'm going to say. No one really knows what an animal's life is like, like its life experience from its point of view. We don't know if they got emotions that are like ours or what or if it's more like instincts but if you want to be all sciencey and take the magic out of it and just say yeah they all got instincts right not emotion animals can't have emotion because we are great humans and only humans have emotion have a moment of hubris I'll let you have it, but know that's what it is. Either way, if that's what you think, then you still, we still know that animals have fear, right? Like they experience fear, the fight or flight mechanism. And it makes me think, you know, humans ain't much different than animals kind of came from there if you want to think that and we got them instincts too we got that fear instinct in us but we also got human emotions we got another layer on top of that so you have like an instinctual chemical fear reaction but then you have that's like the fight or flight like a, a gunshot goes off and you just like run or you jump like three feet in the air like a cat but you also got your emotions on top of that the part where you think like this is a gunshot did I get shot am I gonna get shot I think it would hurt to be shot maybe I deserve to be shot there's like all kinds of of thoughts that come up with it and that those thoughts that higher level if it is higher at all. That's like another layer of fear. And that's like the worst part of it. Like that, I think that's definitely worse than the instinctual part. So it's more torturous. So you say, do I deserve this? What if this? But, and then those two stack up, right? The instinctual and the emotional. And then it's this incredibly powerful, this really strong response to fear. I think that's why it's so hard for a lot of us to get over it. Why fear runs our lives in a lot of ways for a lot of people. But like on the other hand of that, you think about them monkeys and that they were testing with like, they gave him the choice, hey, here's a wire monkey that has food. 
and here's a cuddly soft monkey that's gonna ain't giving you any food it's gonna starve you to death but that's cuddly and then baby monkeys would choose the cuddly death monkey every time I mean that's like a twisted experiment you know that, that I feel like that kind of thing can't happen now I mean it probably can which is just like sad or just killing monkeys and calling it experiments it's like no different than a little kid out on the sidewalk with a magnifying glass burning up ants and you ask him why he's killing ants or what he's doing he says I'm experimenting ain't quite so noble when you look at it that way but Either way, we found out something that apparently we needed science to tell us about, which is that love is important, that infection is important. I think I said infection. Clearly, I meant affection. And so it makes me wonder, or at least if you think about it in the way of fear being on two levels, lo the desire for love is on two levels too. The desire to feel loved to feel affection trumps the need to eat that is powerful so you got that instinctual need for love which is more strong than your will to live if you put it in different terms but I think that's accurate right I mean choosing to starve yourself to death because you want cuddles that means you'd rather have cuddles than live so the desire to be loved is stronger than the will to live on an instinctual basis and then the emotional need to be loved is like all there is right I mean even I feel like almost all the fear responses that we have in our lives could be boiled down to the fear of not having love. It's like, I don't make enough money so no one could love me, or I don't look the way I should so no one can love me. That's the fear, right? Or like, I'm not good enough at hockey so I'm afraid no one will love me whatever man I don't have my accents weird so I don't know if anybody's gonna accept me except quote-unquote love that's the thing is if you you know if you switch the word love for any of the other things that people are saying they're trying to get like respect or affection or acceptance or I mean, I don't know what the other ones would be, but like, pretty much you name it. And it's love. That's what they want. That's what we all want. That's what we're all afraid we're not going to get. I feel like we're all afraid it might not even be a real thing. And like, you look at TV, this gets me going. You look at the TV or movies or even, hell, billboards, like a magazine article. Shit, you look at your phone, they got ads there about love 
and how if you do this or this, you'll find love, or how if you buy this ring, you'll tell her that you're going to be in love forever, or whatever it is. And there's all these ideals. We live in a nation of ideals just held up in front of us like here's the ideal house here's the ideal physical body here's the ideal relationship and there's just all these carrots for us to chase you know it's like all these distractions for us to forget what we really got and forget what life's really about well fuck life's about what's in front of you life's about what you're doing right now for me right now, life's about saying these words. It's about laying in bed awake at like 3 in the morning. Talking about real stuff. Maybe somebody wants to hear that. I hope so. I really hope so. Otherwise, I'm just wasting my time. Wasting your time. I guess I'm not wasting my time. I'm enjoying this. Like I said, it's like therapy. I get to just sort of talk, and then I get to listen to it. I get to hear what I think. I get to refine my opinions, and then I get to soothe myself to sleep with my dulcet tones. It's not so bad, even if nobody never hears it. It's not so bad. 